Our scripture this morning is taken from the book of Romans, the eighth chapter and verses five through eight. And you can follow along as I read, please. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Uh, the scripture this morning that was read to us, we're going to focus on uh, peace. And you'll notice it says that in verse 5, those who are according to the Spirit, uh, the things of the Spirit. And for the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. You know, um, ironically, as we can see, even in today's world, governments fight for peace. Uh, we've, uh, governments have tried to purchase it. Songwriters have written about it. Uh, John Lennon wrote a song, a very uh, popular song called Give Peace a Chance, uh, Peace on Earth by U2, and the list could go on and on and on, uh, Peace of Mind by the group Boston. Uh, but the first mass peace movement recording in, in history was the peace and the truce that God made as he allowed his son to be put on a cross. Uh, and so you understand today that the, what we're looking at is the peace treaty that God made with people. Uh, and so it's important to know that God has always wanted peace with people. In the Garden of Adam and Eve, peace did exist. And the Bible says that he walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. And so... Unfortunately, though, because of what happened in the garden, we've lost peace with God. And uh, let, me, let me start with verse 5 and actually continue to verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. Because the peace that God gives us uh, was not fought for, it was not negotiated in prayer, but it was purchased on the cross. So you have to decide if you want the way of this kind of peace or not. Going back to Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 5 through 14. It says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God, it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. 
So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So uh, again, the idea that God's Spirit brings peace. Now, God, uh, Paul is writing to the church in, in Rome. Romans of that day were very familiar with war. They were very familiar with hostility. And Paul explains here that this way of life is in contradiction to the way of the life of a believer. What would have been a radical idea for the believers in Rome would have been to be people of peace. How easy it would have been for them to cave to the culture around them and live in ways inconsistent with the gospel of peace they were to spread. And you know, when you look around today, we live in no different terms. It, is, it would be very easy for us to live in a hostile way today. Paul knew the same struggle as he wrote in the preceding chapter of Romans about the war within the mind. And in chapter 8, he goes, Paul goes on in further detail on this battle. And he reminds us that our sinful nature is actually at war with God. What does the sinful nature do? According to Romans 8, 5 through 8, it does not obey God. This is who we were before Christ. Our sinful nature, we have thoughts that are on things not pleasing to God. Uh, our sinful nature brings chaos. It brings disorder in our lives, causes us to search for false peace through any form that we can find. And you can there's hundreds of ways that people go out even today and find false satisfaction, false peace. Even for the person who says they are a believer, but are still given over to their sinful nature, you will always see the manifestation of bad fruit. Galatians 5, 19 and 22 uh, through 22 says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the, resu the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, our sinful nature ultimately leads to spiritual death. If you've ever seen the videos of a toddler seeing their shadow for the first time, sometimes they're actually afraid of their shadow. Um, you can look it up on YouTube. You'll find hundreds of compilations of parents trying to have their kids' uh, video go viral because they're afraid of their shadow. 
Uh, you'll see the kids running and screaming because they can't shake this thing off of them. Everywhere they go, it seems to stay with them. Is the shadow real? Of course it is. Does a shadow have the power to control your actions? Of course not. A shadow can only mimic us. But in the toddler's case, the shadow seems to take control. But spiritually speaking, a shadow is much like our sin nature. It's there, but in Christ it is powerless unless we allow it to control us. When David wrote, uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I love Matthew Henry's commentary on that. He actually says, can a, can a shadow of a serpent strike you? No. Can a shadow of a sword pierce your skin? No. They can't harm you. It's just a shadow. Our sin nature has been made powerless by our identification with Christ. That is why, even though we have free will and we have choices that we can make, God's Spirit allows us to make the right choice. In Romans 8, Paul writes of a better way for believers. In this better way, we are no longer controlled by sin. As believers, we really don't have the ability to say, well, I just can't help it. Or I was, this is how I was brought up. All of that might be true. You may have been brought up a certain way. All of us were brought up uh, in a certain way. But Christ overwhelmingly changes our spirit, changes our nature, changes what we did. In Sunday school, I, I used the illustration of, do you still react to things the way you did 20 years ago? If you do, then something is not right in your spiritual growth. Uh, there should be spiritual fruit that has been produced. A spirit-led nature is in harmony with God, not hostile. Going back to Romans chapter 8, verses, uh, verse 6 and then 9 through 11, we've, we've read what happens to the uh, sinful nature, but what about the spiritual nature? When you read these verses, I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about your thoughts, your actions uh, in the majority. A spirit-led person thinks about the things that please God. Somebody, uh, we were in a Sunday school class years ago, and the teacher said, he said, you know what I think holiness really is? It's when our first thoughts are to do the right thing. And that's, that's really, a, it may be simplistic to you, but it's, it's right on the mark. We use all these fancy words of you know, what is holiness, and we almost make it seem impossible for us regular folk to be holy, but really holiness is just that, when our first inclination is to do good. When we're not sitting there thinking, should I do this wrong or should I do this right? It's already our, our it's when our nature has changed. When our nature is now to do what God would want us to do. A spirit-led nature also is one that is governed by God's way. It obeys God's laws and commands. It leads to peace with God. When our spirit-led nature is in harmony with God, we have reconciliation for sin. We are forgiven and we forgive. James 3, 16 and 8 reminds us that wisdom leads to the peace of God. 
For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and, and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What does Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. Again, what, are, what words do we see here? Totally different than what we just read a few minutes ago. Pure, peace-loving. In other words, you don't like trouble. You don't like starting trouble. You ever heard of a troublemaker? Well, that's, not, that's contrary to God's Spirit. God's Spirit is peace-loving, full of mercy, produces good fruit. And what is the good fruit? Well, we read about the bad fruit, Galatians 5, and 25. This is the fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Again, think of yourself. Do you, are you producing these fruit? Now, that does not mean that uh, when someone submits their life to Christ, that ultimately they, they get up and all this happens immediately. But there becomes this idea of their, that their life is now in the process of sanctification. What does holiness bring about? It brings about love, joy, peace, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me go back to my notes here, and I just want to uh, read again some of the words that I just mentioned, how opposite they are of the words I just said. Sexual immorality, jealousy, outbursts of anger. You see, when we go from a sinful nature uh, to a spirit-led nature, we go from outbursts of anger to peace to gentleness. Uh, we don't have selfish ambition. We have uh, patience and self-control, kindness, goodness. It is a total opposite. It is a total opposite of where we were before. It, we literally go from death to life. And so it's important to understand that uh, part of living the Christian life, part of this, this sanctification uh, means that that God is doing a work in us, but He can't do that work if we're hostile to Him. It's just like being in a battle. We're all in a battle. And there are days when it seems like the sinful nature wins. But ultimately, God is victorious and so are we. Some days are harder than others. Some days are better than others. But unfortunately, in a battle, you, you can't just decide, I'm not going to, to be a part of it. There's no neutral zone in this. Romans 8.13 says, Live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So you can't be idle in this. We're either... De dying spiritually or we're living spiritually. Jesus didn't just conquer sin for himself, 
or to show power, Jesus conquered sin to give us power, to be free from sin and all the attachments that go with it. You see, Jesus purchased our peace. We're no longer under any obligation to our sinful self. Uh, you don't have to live by sin's mastery anymore. All of the things that uh, you used to do automatically has now changed. Peace between this war of your mind starts with a fear of God, having proper perspective on who God is and who you are in relation to Him. Peace comes as you give your life to the Lord. You know, what's interesting and what's ironic is the world actually would say a peaceful life is when you get to do whatever you want. But you know what? That actually brings destruction more than anything. In fact, uh, one, one pastor once said, if you got it your way, the Burger King way, all the time, you would self-destruct. But when, we change, when God changes our nature, when peace comes to rule, Instead of chaos, we actually find that in self-denial, we find freedom. That when God is our Lord and our Master, that is when we are truly free. Peace from God is like anything else. In fact, uh, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that basically we can't, we can't even express it, we can't even understand it. He says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Notice that, that correlation again, that, that, that connection between God's peace and your heart and your mind. When we know God, we can sleep better at night. You get what I'm saying? Your mind is restful. Your mind is at ease. Does that mean that all the problems vanish? Of course not. No one is going to say that. And if they do, they're not giving you a biblical perspective of life. But what that means is that you know who's in control. God gives you peace. I've heard some of you, some of you are going through um, you know, situations in your life that are hard, and yet you will say, but, but, it, but I have peace. What we would say today is, but I know it's going to be okay. How do you know that? You know that because you have peace. You know that because you know God. Peace is a way of life that we have to practice, though, as we grow, as, as God produces these fruits in our lives, so that the peace of God becomes automatic. Again, in our sinful nature, the envy, the anger, uh, all of the, the, the evil thoughts, that's automatic. But when we submit our life to Christ, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, God gives us peace, and that peace then becomes our default mode, if you will. As we come across conflicts in your daily life, and those conflicts, they're not just problems, but they almost strive to pull you back into that sinful nature. They almost try to bring you back and, and maybe use language that you wouldn't use again or thoughts that you wouldn't think again. You know, it's, it, I can't help but, but think about the, the, the funny joke of the, the, the preacher that's trying to um, crank his lawnmower and he's got one of those, those, you know, you have to pull it and he keeps pulling and he keeps pulling. 
And a little boy came up to him and he said, um, you know what my dad does when that doesn't work, don't you? And he said, no. He said, he cusses. And he said, well, son, I'm a preacher. I don't cuss. He said, well, he said, uh, you keep pulling on that cord. Those words will come to you. You know, sometimes it seems like when things are going wrong, it's, it's, we get angry or we, we get this tension build up to where we may say or do things that we would never think of. But the peace of God rules over us and keeps those things from happening. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. That's a great verse, but just look at what it says. At all times. Do you have the peace of God at all times? And it says in every situation? I, I can honestly say that I, I don't always, but that's on me. That's when my thoughts go to thinking in fear instead of faith. But when we totally submit ourselves to God, and what does it say? The Lord of peace. Give you his peace at all times. You ever notice those people who we, we think that they're on a higher spiritual plane than us? They're really not. They have just learned uh, that as long as they stay close to God, they can have peace at all times and in every situation. And the only way that we can know that is through life's experiences. That God allows us to go through things where we choose His peace or we can choose to think about everything other than his peace. You see, Satan does not want the spirit to win the war in your heart and mind. And he will use any situation, he will use any person to try to stir up conflict within you. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter wrote, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Many of you have probably heard of the book, The Art of War. In fact, it's still printed today, but it was written, uh, it's an ancient Chinese text attributed to uh, Sun Tzu and is devoted to this aspect of warfare, military strategy and tactics. People have used it for hundreds of years. And though it's primarily used as a military text, it has principles that you can actually see from a spiritual standpoint. Here's, here's one quote out of this book. So it is said that if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will not be put at risk even in a hundred battles. If you only know yourself, but not your opponent, you may win or may lose. If you know neither yourself nor your enemy, you will always endanger yourself. In other words, if you want to win and if I want to win every battle spiritually, we need to know our enemy. And you also need to know yourself. Uh, you need to know what triggers you. People, now that's kind of the, uh, the way to say someone has made me angry. Well, that triggered me. But all of us have triggers. Uh, we used to say, you know, boy, they really know what buttons to push, don't they? Uh, well, the, the, the issue is we've showed them what buttons to push. When we react to certain things, we've already shown people what triggers us. But if we are yielding to God, 
We have less and less things that trigger us, uh, that, that turn us into someone that, that maybe we, we didn't want to be. God does not want us spiritually to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He wants us to be one whole person. But to know, uh, to, to win spiritually, uh, we need to know what the devil uses, but let's, let's not give him all the credit. We also have to realize that we are weak and we get tempted. Spiritually, you need to know what you're tempted by. You need to know where Satan tries to entice you. The things you know you shouldn't be involved in. Don't get involved in them. The places you know you shouldn't go. Don't go there. The people you know you shouldn't hang out with, don't hang out with them. Know your enemy and know that your enemy is ready to attack you with these things that, that make you weak. Peter said, be alert. You can't walk around this earth uh, and not uh, and, and with, uh, as the, as the uh, old country song, rose-colored glasses. Uh, you know, the guy, he, in the song, he's saying, I wear these rose-colored glasses so that I can see you as this loving person when really you're not. As Christians, we have to take the rose-colored glasses off and see, you know, the world as it is. And the painful part about that is sometimes we have to see people for who they truly are. Sometimes we see people the way we want them to be. And so we allow these problems to continue to fester. No, some, God tells us part of being a believer is that we have to be real about this world we live in. We have to stay alert. You can't live on the side of God's... Uh, you can live on the side of God's peace. Peace says no to self-interest, uh, selfish agendas. What it, peace is self-denial and saying, Lord, it's what you want. It's not what I want. Jesus said that in the garden. Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Peacemakers seek to end wars, not start them. Peacemakers seek to end the war between what is sinful and what is holy. Not only in their own lives, but they want to show that in the lives of others. As you and I grow in peace, as, as the fruits of the Spirit continue to grow in our life, it will be evidence that the Spirit of God is in you. Many times as believers, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, it's not how we act, it's how we react. Someone cuts you off on the highway. Uh, you know, someone you know, gives you a, a cup of coffee in a drive-thru and they accidentally spill it on you. Somebody bumps into you or just any little thing, does it trigger you? Or are you above that now? You see, a lot of times it's not the big things in life that, that take away our peace. It's the little things. It's, you know, if 10 people give you a compliment today and one person said something wrong, I know you're going to have trouble not focusing on that one person. Or are you able to say, you know what, I'm just going to let that roll. I'm just going to let it roll off my back. Or does it trigger you? Don't allow these little instances to rob you of your peace. The longer you live, the, longer you, the more you realize life is not long. Don't allow these little things to rob you of your peace, of your joy. 
As we grow in peace, it is evidence of God's Spirit living in us. As you sow seeds of peace, you reap righteousness with God. For all of us, what we need to think about is what area of of our lives do we need to work on in order to carry the cross of peace to victory? Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. What is your heart? It's not the thing that pumps in the middle of your chest. To the, to the Jews, the heart was, was, was who you are. Out of the overflow of the heart comes everything. What you say, what you think. Is your, it's really your soul. Is your soul at peace today? Jesus has already given us his peace. Notice he says that in John 14, 27. You don't have to try to work for it. He says, peace I leave with you. I give you my peace. This peace is waiting for you. It's just up to us to take it. Take take the peace that has been purchased for you. It's at the cross that we find this peace. It's at the cross that God made his peace with mankind. The cross brings salvation. It brings a spirit-filled life. You can have peace in your soul. And so this morning, I'm going to ask if Evangeline will play the tune that she played last week. And it says, I just want to read these words. It says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love to me, lead me to Calvary. This, these few weeks, we focus on the cross. We focus on the idea that uh, even in Gethsemane, it was where he said, Not my will but your will be done. Where God settled, where Jesus settled it for himself, where God gave him peace. You know, there's one gospel writing that talks about him at the Garden of Gethsemane, and it actually says an angel came and comforted him. He had peace. That's how he went to Calvary. That's how he was able to go through all that he went through was that he had peace with with his father. And because of that, this morning, we can have peace with God. As she plays that tune, I would invite you again to come and, and to pray or to pray for someone that you know does not have peace with God, that God would stir their spirit and that he would manifest himself so that all of us would have peace with him. So this is your time to speak to God that God would give you peace. Maybe there's a situation where you say, you know, I just don't have any peace about this. And God will give you that peace.